Awesome. Well, tonight's sermon, sermon number one, chapter one, let's call it chapter one, will have the title, Thank You, Next. Thank You, Next. Um, I know it's such a creative title. I actually, I was sitting in bed one day and I was thinking, what could I name this thing? And then I was sitting down and thinking, man, thank you. Come on, next sounds like a great title. I'm just going to do it. I haven't heard it anywhere. haven't seen it anywhere. I think it's just, I think it's just a great title I, I could run with. So, um, so we're going we're gonna to call this sermon, Thank You, Next. Look at your neighbor and say, thank you. And look at the other one and say, next. Awesome. Awesome. So here's the thing. Our church for, for this year, so usually, I don't know if you're this type of person, but some people, as the year is ending, they start to ask the Lord, hey, give me one word, give me a phrase, give me a sentence that will, that will be something I hold on to for that year. Is anybody here, you, you do that, you ask the Lord and you say, hey, my word for this year is grow, or you know, my word for this year is surrender, whatever it is. Um, uh, our church does the same thing, and for... Our church body, both the young adults and the main church on Sunday mornings, uh, the word has given us the phrase, the year of new beginnings. And I want to begin tonight, I think we can't, we can't begin the year without first looking at the promise that God has spoken to us. The, this is the year of new beginnings. Can you look at your neighbor and say, this is my year of new beginnings? See, come on, new beginnings. That gives me a lot of hope, because when I think new beginnings, I think, man, there's some mistakes that I made that I'm glad I get to start over again. Come on, anybody? This is the year of new beginnings. This is taken actually from Revelation chapter 21, verses 5 to 7. I want to read it for you. I want to read it with you. It'll be up on the... It says this, and the one sitting on the throne said, look... I am making everything new. In case you don't know this, the one sitting on the throne is Jesus. So, and Jesus said, look, I am making everything new. And then he said to me, write this down, for what I tell you is trustworthy and true. And he also said, it is finished. I am the Alpha and the Omega. Come on, this ought to stir some faith in someone. It is finished. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To all who are thirsty, I will give freely from the springs of the water of life. Is anyone here thirsty? Nobody. Okay, awesome. Thank you. One person is thirsty. And I'm hungry too. All who are victorious will inherit all of these blessings. And I will be their God, and they will be my children. Now, it's the first Thursday of the year, and I think for you to make the decision to come to church is a great one. I want to encourage you, a lifestyle of pursuing the Lord will take a lot of these small decisions, okay? Let me paraphrase that. If you want to build a lifestyle, you want to build healthy habits, it'll take you having to start by making small decisions that will help you in the long run. Are you with me? So something like, I don't feel like going to church tonight. Well, guess what? Maybe it's because you should go to church tonight because the Lord has a word for you tonight because he's trying to speak to you in some parts of your life. Maybe it's those small decisions that begin to build a great, healthy lifestyle. 
Have you ever asked, have you ever looked at someone and said, I wonder how they do that? I wonder how it is that this person could read their Bible every morning without failure. Well, could it be that it started by building healthy habits? They woke up one morning, they didn't feel like reading, but they read anyway. They woke up the next morning, they didn't feel like reading, but they read anyway. And eventually, what you begin to do continuously becomes a habit. And then after it becomes a habit, it becomes a lifestyle. And guess what? Everything begins to change. Now, I've spent the last week going through pictures. Anybody else? I've spent the last week going through pictures and then, and then some videos that I took throughout 2018. And there's something special, I think, about looking back. There's something about looking back that gets us excited for what is to come. Anybody? You look back at 2018, you're like, hmm, if that was good, it's going to be better. And so... I'm sure some of you have also spent some time looking through a year's worth of adventures and memories, both good and some bad. Now, I can encourage you today that it's a new year full of new opportunities and new possibilities. So what will you do? We're only a couple days in, so if you haven't decided and made some action steps to move forward in life, there's something I think tonight is a great time to start. Like the words that we just read, God is making everything new. Do you believe that? Do you believe that he's actually making all things new? Because no matter what you walk through this past year, you can rest assured that the word of God is true and that he is making all things new. Now, this is the word that we're holding on to for, for this next year. That this is the year of new beginnings. Can you say it with me? The year of new beginnings. Let's hold on to this promise. Now, now that that has set the, the, the ground or what is it, the t- table for what it is that we're going to receive tonight, I think when you start thinking of the book of Acts, chapter one, I think the famous chapter is chapter two. Right? Chapter 2 is the one that it talks about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and that's amazing. It's one of the best uh, things that we could learn and study, and actually, it's one of the best things we can practice. Amen. It's one of the best things that you can do for your life, but, but here's the thing. That's in chapter 2. I think we skip over chapter 1 a lot because we're so excited about chapter 2. Have you ever read a book and skipped through the beginning just because you want to get to the funny parts? Anybody? Or have you ever, I love The Office. Have you ever just, you said, I'm going to skip through season one because I've heard that's boring. I'm going to get to season five because that's the best season. Anybody? I know somebody told me, hey, if you're ever going to get into a new show, here's some of the, watch, watch season five, episode seven, because the first four seasons weren't as funny, but season five, oh, that's the funny one. Here's the thing. I think we approach the Bible with that same mentality, and you miss out on a lot of things simply because you skipped out on some things. So today we're going to spend all of our time focusing on chapter one. You with me? Chapter one. There is quite some scriptures, so bear with me. But starting from verse 12, it says this. Actually, let's do this. You can leave it up there. It's important to know who the author is, okay? The author of the book of Acts is a man by the name of Luke. Luke also is the author of the book of Luke. 
There you go. Go figure. Okay. So he is credited in writing two books, the book of Luke and the book of Acts. So in the book of Luke, you see Luke paint this beautiful picture of Jesus, Jesus being born, Jesus, Jesus uh, calling his d- disciples, Jesus be- meeting a man by the name of Zacchaeus, Jesus meeting all these other people. And then he also takes for account Jesus' walk to the cross. And he, he spends this, uh, the whole book talking about Jesus and emphasizing certain aspects of Jesus. And then the book of Luke ends with Jesus' death on the cross, and he's resurrected, and then he spends 40 days with the disciples. And here's the thing. And then he, Jesus, Jesus ends the book of Luke with a promise. And the promise is that I have to go, but in my place you will be filled with the Holy Spirit. He leaves them with a promise. So I think any human being would then think, okay, cliffhanger. Is anybody waiting for Avengers Endgame, right? Okay, because Avengers Infinity War left you with a huge cliffhanger. What is it? Everybody died. Everybody died. Oh, wow. Well, there you go. Rest in peace, Hawkeye's family. Wait, are you serious? Oh, okay, good, good, good. I was going to pray for you, my friend. Um, but everybody was left. We were left with this cliffhanger of what's going to happen next. So you would think that Avengers Endgame is going to start with what? Immediately right after that, picking up with, well, what happened? What happened to Hawkeye's, Hawkeye's, hot guys? Wow, that sounds very different. Hawkeye's family. Huh? What happened to Hawkeye's family? What happened to all these other people that we didn't see? What happened? What happened? They got decimated. Here's the thing. So we expect Endgame to begin with the results of, what, of the snap in Infinity War. Now, what would happen if, if Endgame just decides to skip through all of that and we just get to how the Avengers are t- defeating Thanos? What would happen? Well, would you be like, oh, that's, that's, a, that's lame. I wanted to see what happened. I wanted to see how they got back. I wanted to see how they got to that place, right? What happens if we skip that whole part and we just get to the point where they defeat the villain? That's no fun. Sure, we'll get an experience. They'll be like, oh, great, we won, yay. Everybody's back, woo but, but guess what? We missed the whole journey to get to that point. So you would think that in the book of Acts, Luke would go right into, well, what's the promise? Well, okay, the promise is gonna be fulfilled, right? If he ends the book of Luke promising something, then you would think that he would begin the book of Acts fulfilling that promise, Right? but he doesn't because the promise is not fulfilled until we get to chapter two. And here's the important thing is that you cannot get to the promise fulfilled until you're ready to receive the promise. So chapter one is all about getting ready to receive the promise. I wonder if God has spoken something to you, a promise. I, I, I wonder if there's a word that God has given you that you've been waiting for and you're thinking, why are you not speaking to me? Why am I still here waiting for a promise that you gave me a long time ago? Well, could it be that you have not yet gotten to the place of being able to receive the promise? Thank you. Next. So then we get to Acts chapter one, and what I love about the first part of ch- chapter one is he talks, uh, he, he talks about the promise, and, and, we, and we get to all that, and, 
And then he gets taken up into a cloud while, they were, while the disciples are watching. And that's an amazing story and an amazing image that it paints. So please read that first part of the book of Acts. But then we get to the verse 12. And now let's read this. I'll read this with you. It says, Then the apostles returned to Jerusalem from the Mount of Olives. So they've left the Mount of Olives because Jesus is gone, right? He's gone. So they traveled about a half a mile. And when they arrived, they went to the upstairs room of the house where they were staying. Here are the, ni- the names of those who were present. Peter, John, James, Andrew, Philip, Thomas, Bartholomew, Matthew, James, son of Alphaeus, Simon the Zealot, and Judas, son of James. Not to be confused with Judas Iscariot, who betrayed Jesus. They all met together and were constantly united in prayer, along with Mary, the mother of Jesus, several other women, and the brothers of Jesus. Now, you've probably heard this perspective, this taken from the perspective of they were united in prayer, right? Before you could begin to receive the promise, you, you'll, you'll find that you have to be united in prayer because division, a house divided, will fall against itself. You cannot grow in division, and, and that is very true, but that's not the perspective we're taking t- tonight. So although that is very true, not what we're focusing on. Verse 15 then says, During this time, when about 120 believers were together in one place, Peter stood up and addressed them. Man, I love Peter. He said, Brothers, the scriptures had to be fulfilled concerning Judas, who guided those who arrested Jesus. This was predicted long ago by the Holy Spirit, speaking through King David. And if you have a highlighter or something... Highlight verse 17, because when I understood this, it changed the way that I looked at life. It says, Judas was one of us and shared in the ministry with us. Judas was one of us and shared in the ministry with us. Verse 18, Judas had bought a field with with the money he received for his treachery. Falling headfirst there, his body split open, spilling out all of his intestines. Oh, hello. The news of his death spread to all the people of Jerusalem, and they gave the place the Arabic name Akeldama, which means field of blood. Now, Peter continued, this this was written in the book of Psalms, where it says, let his home become desolate with no one living in it. It also says, let someone else take his possession, his position. So now... We must choose a replacement for Judas from among the men who were with us the entire time we were traveling with the Lord Jesus. From the time he was baptized by John until the day he was taken from us, whoever is chosen will join us as a witness of Jesus' resurrection. So they nominated two men, Joseph called Barabbas, Barsabbas, also known as Justice, and Matthias. When they all prayed, O Lord, you know every heart, show us which of these men you have chosen as an apostle to replace Judas in this ministry, for he has deserted us and gone where he belongs. Then they cast lots, and Matthias was selected to become an apostle with the other eleven. That's a lot of scripture to read. Did, Did you understand all of that? Let me break it down for you. Let me break it down for you. This is what's happening. So Jesus has just left. The disciples, all 120 of them, are in a room. They're united and they're praying. And then they start to think, okay, Peter's here, Bartholomew's here, Judas, not Iscariot, but the other Judas is here. And Okay, now, I'll, 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 wait, 
it's 11 of us. 11 of us are here. And then we get to, I call this the Judas problem, because if you were to think of Judas at this time, what would you have, th- have thought of him? Judas is the man that betrayed Jesus. I hate him. He deserved all that he got. Come on, would you begin to start talking about Judas? You know what I would have said if my best friend was taken from me? I would have said, in my flesh, of course, right? I would have said, "Uh uh-uh, this dude deserves to die. This dude deserves the uh, justice. He deserved whatever he got. He deserves it. He deserves it, of course, because he turned Jesus in. Now, we have two options at this exact point. Is you could begin to look at the people or the situation that has caused you harm, and you can begin to curse and talk down on it, or you can do what Peter did, and he began to say, hey, 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 do you know that he was one of us? Do you know that, sure, sure, Judas, the mistake that he made was painful. It caused us a lot of harm. But do you know that Judas Iscariot was one of us? And do you know, according to verse 17, he says, do you know that he shared in the ministry with us? He was one of us. You want to shock the people around you? You want to change the culture of your workplace, of your community? How about instead of talking down on people that have hurt you or done something to you, you begin to say, hey, 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 you're, you're just as human as I am. What if instead of addressing Judas and making him feel worse than he already feels, you begin to speak life into him? I wonder what would have happened if Judas would not have taken his life and he'd be in this room with the 120. I wonder... If Judas would have been there crying, repenting, and the disciples all look at him, and Peter says, I forgive you. I wonder what would have happened if that community had the opportunity to tell Judas what Peter was telling them. Hey, you're one of us, man. It had to happen. If you're taking notes, I want you to write, The first point for for tonight is honor the past. And we're we're not going to spend too much time with these points, but honor the past. Why? Because it happened. And there's nothing you can do about the past. There's nothing you can do to change what happened 2018, 17, 16, whatever. There's nothing you can do about it, but you know what you can? You can't do anything to change it. What you can do, though, is honor it. You look back and you say, hey, that was hard. But that taught me something. That taught me how to be a stronger person. That taught me how to walk in obedience. That taught me how to, how to get out of a hole that someone had thrown me in. That situation and place in my life taught me something. So when you begin to honor the past, you begin to see and prepare yourself to receive the promise. So you honor the past. Peter begins to honor what Judas had done. In order to set ourselves up to receive the promise that God has spoken, you need to begin by taking a quick glance back and saying, that had to happen because I had to learn something in that season. That person that broke up with me during that moment, it had to happen. 
And I think some of us are going to start saying, I'm glad it happened because I got to meet other people. I got to come out of my comfort zone. I got to break out of my shell that I, otherwise I would have been trapped in. Come on. I think some of us need to be thankful for rejection because that rejection opened a door for other people to receive us. I wonder if our biggest problem right now is that we have a hard time honoring the past. We have a hard time just saying, you know what? It happened. It did happen. And that's okay. Because I know one thing is that God is doing a, a new work in my life. Come on. God is preparing a new thing in me. And as I begin to seek that, I honor what has happened. Honor the past. And that's what the disciples had to do. Before they could receive the Holy Spirit, they had to look at Judas and deal with the Judas problem. The Judas problem. I think a lot of them had to, had to ask for forgiveness. They had to let go of resentment. They had to let go of pain. And I think, what better thing for you to do the first part of your year is to begin to say, God, I'm letting go of this rejection that I'm holding on to. I'm letting go of this pain. I'm forgiving the person that caused me harm. I'm letting go. And yes, it happened. But just because it happened doesn't mean I am going to bring it with me with what's to come. So you honor the past. Here's the thing, though, is that the Judas problem gives us two problems, two, two issues. The first one is this thing in our hearts that we need to work with and, and let go and begin to honor. But the second one is that it begins to leave a void because when Jesus was, had his crew, he had 12. When Jesus took his life, there were only 11. And there had to be 12. There had to be. So the Judas problem then, then leaves a void in this group. And this group begins to, Peter then begins to look around and say, all right, well, we need to find one more. And it has to be one of you guys. So how are we going to do this? There's a void right now that has to be filled. And I think a lot of us, when there's a void in our lives, we try to fill it ourselves. Right? When there's, when there's something missing, when you feel like when someone has walked out on your life, you try to fill it yourself. You force yourself to meet or uh, to get into a, a different relationship. You force yourself to do things that maybe God isn't speaking and leading you towards. You get yourself into places that you shouldn't be in because you're, you just you can't live a day alone. We've gotten so used to that. Point number two is you need to fill the void. There was a void in the disciples group. There had to be 12, but there was only 11. And you know what I love? Is that Peter, when he leads these guys, or these guys, women, all of them, when he leads them, he doesn't say, hey, okay, well, I'm the one talking right now, so I'm going to choose you. You're, you're going to do it. It doesn't matter. We're not going to ask the Lord. You're going to do it. He, he doesn't say that. He doesn't take control of the situation. He leads them and he says, hey, we're going to ask the Lord. We're going to ask God. Because the only person that can fill a void and, and have it be complete and whole is God. Peter understood this. Do you know how he understood this? I wonder if when he was younger, he learned a, a little something called trusting God. I wonder if when Peter was younger, he learned a little something about, hey, if Jesus says step out of the boat, then he's going to make sure that I'm good if I step out of the boat in obedience, right? 
When he was younger, he learned to trust Jesus to fill the void in his life. So now he can stand up after, notice, after honoring the past. What if Peter, what if Peter would have said, you guys remember when he stepped out and he started walking on water and then he looked around and, and he started to fall? You guys remember that? What if Peter, the only thing he would have looked at is, you let me fall. What if all he remembered from that moment with, with Jesus is, you let me drown. I'm scarred. I can't even go in water anymore. And I'm a fisherman, right? What if, what if that's all he held on to? Huh? Then guess what? And Peter would not have been able to trust God as much as he did at this point. He learned to trust God because he honored the past. Maybe he said, Jesus, I know that I started falling, but I also know that you picked me up. I know that it was my looking around that caused me to start sinking, but I also know that you were there to lift me up when no one else did. Can I tell you, you, when you begin to honor the past, you will find that it's the only person that can fill this void is Jesus. So Peter leads these guys to ask the Lord. Now, the way he does it is a very interesting way. The way that we would do it is probably get on our knees and say, Lord, please fill this void. Only you can do it. Uh, my girlfriend broke up with me, and uh, I need you to send a godly woman that can help me through everything, one that can, do, that can love me for who I am, for who you've created. Right? That's probably what we'll do. That's not what they did. That's not what they did. If you were to, to, to read this and not understand why it is that, that, that they did it this way, you'd scratch your head like I did. So they began to, they cast lots. And what casting lots really means is this uh, Jewish tradition that when a decision had to be, be made, they would draw sticks, okay? So you can say uh, the winner would be the person that got the low end of the stick, Come on, usually we only know that term as when someone just is screwed. Come on, anybody, right? You're like, okay, the person that gets the low end of the stick is the one that has to jump in this really cold lake. Yeah, okay, that's how we look at it. But when, with the Jewish tradition, this was them putting their complete trust in God. As they would draw lots, cast lots, they would say, this is eliminating any of our own thoughts, any of our own uh, uh, preconceptions, any of our own ideas. It's, this is eliminating all of that, and it's just leaving it to God. What, what's interesting is that what we consider fate could really just be God moving things in your life. God was setting them up. So they cast lots, and there were two guys. There were two guys that they had brought to, to the podium probably, and they said, all right, you, Matthias, and you, the other guy. We don't care about the other guy. You, the other guy. They begin to cast lots. And guess who got the short end of the stick? Matthias. But they understood the only one that can fill this void is God. I wonder if there's someone here tonight that you're saying that you need to say tonight, God, there's a void in my heart the only one that can fill it is you. The only one that can fully and wholly fulfill it is you. So we have two things. Two people. Matthias and the other guy. And then they begin to pray. 
And their prayer is this. It's, O Lord, you know every heart. Show us which of these men you have chosen as an apostle to replace Judas in this ministry. And then they cast the lots. And Matthias was selected to become an apostle with the other 11. So Peter has now led these people into honoring the past and recognizing it happened. The pain, it happened. The hard moment, it happened. It also left a void. And I recognize that there's a void in my heart. So, so then he led them in saying, okay, we, there's a void and there's only one person that can do it. Let's go to God. Now what? When you do those two things in your life, point number three, you can now begin to expect God to move. After you've honored the past, after you've asked the Lord to fill the void, now you can expect God to move. Why do you say that, Pastor Eric? Well, guess what? Chapter two, and we'll learn about it next week because that's the... Chapter two, then, we learn about the day of Pentecost. But, it, but we wouldn't have been able to get to the day of Pentecost if, you, if, we, if we first don't make, get ourselves right, get our heart in the right place, get our position in, in, in the right place. Do you know that it's so hard for some of us to, to worship with our hands freely because we're b- busy holding on to other things, metaphorically speaking? It's so difficult for some of us to expect God to move and to have any faith to move and, and expect for God to move in the future or today because we're holding on to the past. Can I tell you, you can't hold on to the past and be expectant for the future. You got to let go. You have to let the Lord fill your void today. And then you can begin to ask and expect God to move. I'd like to invite all of you to stand up tonight. I, I just want to lead you in a small prayer because I think some of us need to start saying, there's some things in my life that I need to say, hey, thank you, but I'm moving on. I think some of us need to start looking at our lives, at some things in our lives and saying, that was a cool season, but I can't live there anymore. I'm moving on. That was a cool time of my life, but God has something for me in this place. The person that I was yesterday will not define the person that I am becoming. The person that you met two years ago is not the same person that God has been forming me to be. So thank you for judging me because of my past, but God has a future for me. Come on, anybody? God has a a future. God has a promise. God has something to give to me. And I know because his word tells me. So with every eye closed, I want to pray for everybody here tonight. You want to shock your culture. You want to change the way that people view you. You change the way that you come word of God. You change the way that you look at your past. You change the way that you move from this point on. Father, I pray for every person in this room. I think there's some of us here tonight 
that we're so afraid to look back. We're so afraid to even turn around because we're ashamed of the decisions we made, because we're ashamed of what the people have told us and spoken about us and spoken to us. But someone here tonight, you, you, need, to, you need to make the decision to look back and say, yeah, yeah, that happened. Yeah, that dark moment in my life, it happened. That's yeah, true. I did betray Jesus. Yeah, it's true. I did, I did turn my back. Yeah, it's true. I did, I did go into that place that I had told people I wasn't going to. I was living a shady life. Yeah, that happened. But that's not me anymore. I refuse to live in the past. And God... I refuse to live in the past that'll leave a void for me so I pray that you would fill that void only you can fill it Holy Spirit you're doing something new in their lives, in our lives and only you can fill the void only you have the power to transform only you have the power to make things new so I pray that you would fill the voids one of our hearts. This is a process. But in order for you to change your community, you first have to allow the Lord to change what's inside of you. You need to let go of bitterness. You need to let go of what people have done to you. You need to give it to God to fill the void. You need to let go of the person that continues to lead you wrong way and follow God that will always lead you towards his son.